History Makers with Matt Prater. Coming off of drugs, you're going to have emotional problems, but I kept chasing after God. And he's using this vehicle to bring people out of the dark into the light. And I went forward and I knelt at the front, and it was a radical conversion experience. And that's where the big change happened, and that's where we decided we're going to use our music for God, we're going to change our songs. When I was about 25 year old, I was uh, busted and into jail, and it was there that I came to the Lord. History Makers with Matt Prater. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today we're chatting to the leader of the ACC Churches in Australia, author and pastor Wayne Alcorn. It's uh, great to uh, be able to catch up on the phone today. Wayne, tell us a bit of your background. Where were you born and raised? I'm a preacher's kid. So obviously I'm fairly mixed up, right? Um, <laughs> I, I'm known to be a Queenslander, but I need to just get on the record. I was actually born in New South Wales. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah, I was born <laughs> in Gosford in the beautiful Central Coast. Mm-hmm. But um, my parents, who moved around, particularly through rural Queensland, moved to places such as Dolby mm-hmm. on the uh, on the Darling Downs where I was there some of my formative years and then we went to the thriving metropolis of Mundubbera. Wow. Uh, yeah. Uh, massive town of it, you know, a few hundred people I guess in those days and uh, eventually moved to Brisbane, Ipswich in the sort of the southeast Queensland area and there I've been for um, you know most of my life ever since the last, you know, 50 plus years. So being raised as a preacher's kid, you obviously knew about God from a young age, but was there like a conversion experience that you can uh, pinpoint? Yeah, it was a massive one, to be quite honest. Um, I re- really didn't come to faith until after my 20th birthday. I'm the result of the grace of God and praying parents and a few people that just hung in there with me. And uh, my parents prayed me back into the kingdom. Grew up in a preacher's house, but just had to work out my own journey to be quite honest, and uh, through a series of events, which included the family of a girlfriend of mine at the time taking me to an Andre Crouch concert oh, wow. in Brisbane's Festival Hall. And, you know, I was into music that was very different to Andre's at the time. And just the message and the example of this incredible man of God and his music, it just so impacted me. And it took a little while, didn't happen immediately, but they actually bought me, as we left Festival Hall here in Brisbane, they bought me the tape. Remember tapes? Yeah, because They brought me the tape, Andre Crouch Live at Carnegie Hall. (laughs) And I was going through uni at the time, and nobody knew it, but I kept that tape in my car, and I'd often play it on my own. And at times, tears would be streaming down my face. I just felt the love of God reaching into my heart. And through just a couple of crazy coincidences of people just being there at the right time and God's word coming to my heart at the right time, three messages came to me three weeks in a row. And on the third time, I gave up. And, uh, you know, I've been serving Jesus ever since. Now, I know you were involved in Youth Alive for many years, and I can mm-hmm. remember at Coffs Harbour Youth Alive, you went and preached there when I was a teenager, and oh, okay. uh, and you preached the gospel, and I thought, I want to I do what he does one day, <laughs> and you inspired oh, me wow. to get into ministry, so thank you for that. Uh, oh, but, cool. <laughs> but Youth Alive, you know, is a massive movement, still going today. Tell us uh, about the early days. How did it all begin? <laughs> well, you know... It's amazing. The Bible tells me that the Holy Spirit will give young men visions, old men dreams. And so I guess I'm dreaming a little more than I'm visioning. (laughs) But uh, as as a young person who who came to faith and looked at the church, and to be quite honest, I loved God, but the church really didn't inspire me that much. 
And I, I, I just remember saying, God, there's got to be a better way to reach young people. And a few of my friends started talking, and I find that when we start talking, God starts talking. Mm. And this, this vision that was very much heaven-sent hit our hearts. And all across the country, there are a group of people, including the likes of Mal Fletcher. We all started having the same ideas, thoughts, visions. And so we started meeting and started talking. Youth leaders started, hey, what if we all gathered, not worried about the sign above our local church buildings, but the real name, and that's the name of Jesus. What if we started gathering as as, as youth groups? And before you knew it, we were packing stadiums. Mm. And just recently, Youth Alive had its 40-year anniversary. Wow. And, uh, and they did an audit, and we found that during those incredible years of Youth Alive, over 320,000 first-time decisions for Jesus were made by Australian teenagers. Wow. Which is quite amazing, you know, because, I mean, we were, we were just, honestly, we were just young men and women in our 20s having a go. And uh, to our incredible amazement, God breathed life on it. And uh, out of that, not only have young people come to follow Jesus, but great leaders have risen up right across our nation and nations beyond doing great things for God. And it's still going. I, I took my youth group to Youth Alive a couple of weeks ago, and three of them went up the front, gave their hearts to the Lord. My, my daughter's best friend gave her heart to the Lord. I was like, yes. I love that. It's still happening. Uh, it's still happening because they're still committed to the same mission. Yeah, great. Go into the world and preach the good news of Jesus. We're going to talk about your book in a moment. Uh, I'm really yeah. curious to know a, a bit more about this book, but I, I noticed in an article recently, and, I, and I've heard you share briefly before about your father's testimony, uh, he was the town drunk at 24 and uh, came to Christ uh, in a gutter. Tell, tell us about your dad. Oh, man, you're going to get me emotional probably. Um, my dad was my hero. Yeah, it's true. He, he, at 24, he was an absolute broken human being. Bad relationship with his father who was on his third marriage. Um, alcohol problems that were off the charts, both dad and his brother. And um, at 24, he was in, had been, you know, in trouble with the law, petty crime, mostly, you know, under the influence of alcohol. And one Sunday, he wakes up in a prison cell and thinks, no one cares about me. They don't know if I'm alive or dead. I might as well just end my life. And so he went to a friend's place and asked for his gun. But his friend had given the gun to a cousin to go hunting. So I thought, what else am I going to do with myself? So he went downtown on a late Sunday afternoon evening and there was a group of, of Christians doing what we used to call an open-air meeting. And they're on the back of an old ute and a uh, few people shared their story of faith. A couple of people sung a song and, and the preacher got up and he preached this simple message, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And uh, a little group of singers, I don't know, half a dozen or so apparently, uh, began to sing a song called Come Home, Come Home, All Who Are Weary, Come Home. And my father stepped out of the group of people that were mocking from under the tree on the other side of the street. My dad wasn't wearing shoes and he didn't have a shirt on and he was still under the influence of alcohol and he staggered forward, somewhat rolling drunk, and he knelt down in front of the, the preacher and the preacher prayed with him and he stood up. And from that day, he followed Jesus. And he did so for the next 70 years until he went home just on 18 months ago. Wow. And, uh, you know, it was it was remarkable. It was a very large funeral, especially for a man of his age. And uh, I remember my niece got up at his funeral 
and she looked at this huge photo on the big screen behind her of my dad and she said, I wonder what the people who saw my granddad walking without a shirt, without even any teeth, rolling drunk through a small country town 70 years ago would think about what they saw with this crowd, the, the people that are honouring this patriarch. And she said the only difference between that drunk and this patriarch is Jesus. Yeah. Mm. See, we're all the result of decisions we make in life, and that one decision changed my father's life, and because of that, changed our whole family line, and I'm forever grateful. Wow, wow. Such a powerful story. And your new book is called My Father's Son, A Generational Journey, and uh, your heart is really for everyone to embrace the love of God as father. Just Mm -hmm. speak to that for us. How did the book come about? Why has it been released now? I was approached by um, Acom Press, who are part of the Bible Society, um, connected to the Kuron Group. I was approached during COVID uh, to write the book, and a friend of mine is the CEO, and we we got talking, and I'd actually shared something of the message, which is at the heart of the book, um, at a conference, and he said, you know, we we started talking. He said, you should do that, and I got started not knowing that. You know, trying to lead a movement in a church through COVID would be quite a challenge. <laughs> so I'm trying to write it during that. And during the middle of it, my father died. My wife, Lynn's father died. And, uh, like, it was it was quite a challenging season. But, it, you know, it took a couple of years to get it out of the ground. But, you know, I, I started, you know, thinking about my father's journey, which obviously profoundly affected all of us, and, um, and realized that I grew up knowing the love of a father. And that really, for me, made it quite easy to relate to God as a father. Yeah. But when I left Youth Alive, I felt in my heart that I'd spent 20 years helping teenagers, and now the season that I was in was to help fathers help them. Wow. And and I've realized that there's just a lot of people, men in particular, but it's not exclusive to men, because um, I've had so many women write to me since this book was released only a few weeks ago saying, stop saying it's just for men, it's for all of us. Yeah. Because we've all, we've all got that orphan heart. Um, and and uh, I just started realizing that men are struggling to relate to God as father because they've had such a damaged view and understanding of the concept of fatherhood. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I spoke to some men over, you know, my journey. And one guy said to me, you know, when I said, you know, what, what do you do when you pray? I said, how do you talk to God as Father? He said, I never talk to God as Father. I talk to Jesus and hope he passes it on. And I started asking him the why behind that that point of view, and he began to tell me just, you know, the, dread, the, the, the pain, the damage that had been caused in that family in his developmental years. And so, you know, I, I started to really capture the heart of God for all of us and how Jesus came to show us the Father, and until we really embrace that, we never fully embrace the life that he has for us. And uh, it's there in the Father's love. So, you know, that's how the book all came about. And uh, mm-hmm. so it, it's been an exciting thing to see. I've just returned from South Africa and just seen in that hurting nation how this is such an important factor. And uh, God is using that message now to help a lot of men, women and families. There is a, a void that we all have in our hearts. And, you know, when it comes down to it, you know, we've either had uh, a passive father or an abusive father or a uh, disciplinary father. We've all had different fathers, 
But the truth is only God is the perfect father and only he can truly fill that void. Only God is the perfect father. Mm. And even good dads will let us down from time to time. Mm. You know, we don't plan to, but it happens. Uh, but God is the father. And, and he, I guess, Matt, in the, in the core of the book, there's a message and, and it, it comes from the thought, the last verse of the Old Testament, where God said, I need to heal the hearts in the relationship between the fathers and the children, the children and the fathers, or the earth is going to feel the effect. One version says the earth will be cursed. Mm. And then there's 400 years of silence. There's no further recorded voice of God to humanity for 400 years between the Old and the New Testament. Mm. And the first time we actually hear the audible voice of God is at the moment when Jesus, his son, is baptized. And he said the three things every child needs to hear. You're my son, I love you, and I'm proud of you. Mm. And it's as though the father said, please get this right. You know, get this relationship healed or there's going to be an effect upon society. And, and we just, with our own human failings, weren't able to. In, in that tender moment where all three members of the Godhead are seen, the son's in the water being baptized, the spirit's coming on him to empower, and then the voice of the father comes, mm. and he says, I love you, which gives us identity, uh, gives us value. You're my son, gives us identity, and I'm proud of you. In whom I'm well pleased, gives us confidence in life. And unless we hear those things, as you said, there's always something missing, mm-hmm. and it can never be filled by anyone or anything until we actually fully embrace the love of the heavenly father. But it's available to all of us Mm. through Jesus. I've actually heard it prophesied that the last great revival will be a a revival of the Father's love. And I can see that that's really the message of this book. And God's clearly put it on your heart. And and you're a spiritual father to many, uh, Wayne. And uh, I just think it's so timely. You just made me sound old, man. Well, you know, I still remember when I was a youth alive kid, seeing you preach. And thinking, yeah, oh, yeah. Anyway, there was yeah, a while well, back. You know, my problem, I still think I'm in youth alive, yeah. but some people told me I've entered into barely alive, but that's for another <laughs> day. <laughs> now, mate, we, we've got to wrap up, but before we go, uh, our mutual mm. friend John O'Mock told me that at the recent ACC conference at the Gold Coast, he said that the mm. anointing was greater than the last 12 years combined. He said the people were just worshipping and the Holy Spirit was moving. Is there a move of God happening in the ACC? Tell us, tell us about the conference. How good was it? It was, it was incredible. We, um, we gathered, you know, just short of 3,000 pastors and leaders on the Gold Coast. And uh, we, I have a, a strong conviction that what you call things, they become. Mm. I call you my friend and you become my friend. And so we actually made a declaration of the conference. We called it outpouring. And we believe for an outpouring of the Spirit of God upon that gathering. And, you know, the Bible says when we come together in unity, there he'll command a blessing, and that is that outpouring of his anointing. And we've not had the feedback from any conference like the one we've just had. And remarkably, we didn't bring anybody in from overseas. It was just Aussie men and women speaking to our ACC family and both those who serve in this nation and almost all of our field workers from across the globe, we came and gathered, and God in his goodness and kindness just began to do a new and deep thing. Because if we want the churches to flourish, we need every man and woman in leadership flourishing and literally being not only a, a mouthpiece, 
but an example of what God wants to do in each of our lives. And uh, so for that reason, I was particularly grateful and uh, very excited about not only that moment, but what's going to happen from there. Yeah, and we need an outpouring all across Australia in all the churches. Uh, let's, uh, let's continue to pray for that. And if people do want to find out more about this wonderful new book uh, from Wayne Alcorn, it's called My Father's Son, A Generational Journey. They can go to the website waynealcorn.com. Uh, it's all also available at uh, Kurong, Amazon, you know, online. Just Google it. You'll find it somewhere. Uh, it looks like uh, it's going to impact many lives, uh, Wayne. I reckon you're a history maker. Thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you're amazing. Thanks, man. If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. You'll also find links to all of our social media channels and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. History Makers is a faith-based ministry and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless. I'm Matt Prater and my challenge to you now is to go and make history. Matt Prater's latest book is now available. History Makers, devotions, downloads and dad jokes. It will take you on a journey through God's Word and will hopefully give a few laughs along the way. It's just $15 plus postage. Order now at historymakersradio.com. Discounts available for bulk orders. The heart behind this book is to challenge people to get into the habit of daily devotions with Jesus. Find out more at historymakersradio.com. Station sponsor.